0: NHL fans, it is Thursday. This is the Morning Cup of Hockey Show. Alongside Kobe Cohen, I'm Johnny Lazarus. Like and subscribe, get involved in the chat. We've got a lot of drama around the NHL last night, specifically in Philadelphia, to talk about. If you were on Twitter or on social media last night, you would have seen John Tortorella's post game comments, which we won't dive into right away because we are joined by Kevin Kurz from The Athletic in a bit here. We're also going to talk to Andrew Raycroft, a former NHL goalie, to talk about the NHL goalie situation. And then Kobe and I will touch on if Corey Perry is a good fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is being spread around earlier this morning. But Kobe, John Tortorella's comments, let's just dive right into it. I mean, that just lit a spark across the NHL world last night. Oh, nine o'clock this morning
1: could not come fast enough, Johnny. Wow. (laughs) I could not believe last night. I mean, just when you thought maybe this whole situation was going to die down a little bit. You know, Jamie Drysdale gets into Philadelphia, plays his first game. Tort says, "Not so fast." Absolutely lighting the situation on absolute fire. Uh, we're going to play that for you right away. How unbelievable was this? Is the
2: is the guy here? Is there? Doesn't the guy here that
3: that caused Kevin Hayes a problem? Yes. You? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You think Kevin Hayes is going to do something like that?
0: It's Any last questions? Person letting the first two by hand. It, it just it pisses me off that, that
3: you guys throw that around and affect someone's life. You know, Kevin Hayes and I had a problem. Uh, we couldn't come to an agreement how to play. That's a good man. That's a good man. And, and what you said is going to stay with him. It'll, it'll, that, that's what you guys don't understand. You say something and you're going to sit there and say you have the right sources. I call Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Wow. <laughs> Th- this was absolute fire by torts. And it's rare to see the media actually side with torts, which is really what has happened in this situation. And I just want to give like one or two quick little facts before we bring in Kevin Kurz, who was in the room last night, While this was happening, he's a beat writer for The Athletic, for the Philadelphia Flyers. You know his work because he's covered other NHL teams, the Islanders and the San Jose Sharks. He's a local guy, so he knows this franchise since he's a little kid. But the gentleman that John Tortorello was speaking to is a guy by the name of Anthony Sanfilippo. He has a podcast that is a Flyers team podcast. OK, this is a podcast that is branded and brought in-house by the Philadelphia Flyers. So to me, it makes it all the spicier, as Frank Saravalli likes to call it. So without that, um, let's get Kevin Curzon in here right away, because we, we got to hear his side of this and his reaction, because nobody follows this team closer than Kevin. So, Kevin, really appreciate you answering my text at midnight last night. I know you were working away um, and it's great to have you here on the show, man. Welcome in.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Colby. Johnny. Good to see you
1: guys. So let's Thank start you, Kevin, right away. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah let, let's, let's just get right into it. I mean, take us through this, this scene last night.
3: Well, we, we knew John was not happy about um, the report from the morning skate because John Tortorella mentioned something about that um, at the morning skate. So, you know, he wasn't happy. So as soon as the words, is the guy here came out of his <laughs> mouth. I think everybody in that room was um, sort of knew what he was getting at. Um, so listen, I, you know, I, Anthony's a friend of mine. I, I'm not here to to, to bury Anthony or, or their podcast at all, but it's clear that, you know, John disagrees with the report. I, I don't think, you know, there have been some pretty strong denials from everyone across the board when it comes to Kevin Hayes and his, you know, Potential influence on what Cutter Gautier's decision ultimately was. You know, Kevin went off to a couple of local reporters in St. Louis um, a couple of days ago. And then Gautier himself, when he spoke with local writers um, with the Ducks, said the same thing. He said something along the lines of, I haven't talked to Kevin Hayes in a while. So, um, you know, I'm I'm under the impression, I wasn't here covering this team last year, but I, you know, I'm under the impression that Tortorella and Kevin Hayes. Maybe didn't see eye to eye just, and as John mentioned, based on, you know, how Torts wanted him to play, but I've heard from everyone, Kevin Hayes liked Philadelphia. He likes playing here. He, He really didn't have anything more to say about the organization at all. So, um, you know, I, I tend to think that that's the case. I, I yeah. tend to think that he didn't really have any influence on this. And, and listen, if if you're Colby, you wouldn't speak on this better than I could. But if you're a young player, you're not just going to even if that was true, you, you have other people talking to you about so many different things. Absolutely. You're not going to listen to one guy that you haven't apparently even talked to for a while to make a decision about your entire future. I mean, the whole premise of it, I think, is a little ridiculous.
0: Kevin, I'm curious about the atmosphere in the building last night, though, because Colby and I were saying that this, if, if anything, might have been the best thing that could have happened for the Flyers, where two days ago, it's you know, it's a fact that they lose a, to- a fifth overall pick, one of their top prospects, someone who's very highly touted. But now that the word Colby used was galvanized, the fan base has been galvanized and united. And the way they come back last night and win that game after being down 2-0 early, Jamie Drysdale chips in with an assist, has a great game, was an absolute stud on the blue line. I mean, what does this mean for the fan base? And and then the cherry on top with Torts' comments to just bring the whole thing together.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the the, the story that I think Flyers fans should take out of this more than anything, is that Jamie Drysdale looked pretty damn good <laughs> in his <laughs> debut. Um, mm-hmm. And as I wrote last night, um, it, the, the most interesting part of the postgame press conference to me was when John Tortorella used the word rover to describe mm-hmm. Jamie Drysdale. And we've heard that word described... With some of the top defensemen around the league for the past, you know, 10 to 12 years. And I, I remember the first time I heard it was covering Brent Burns with the Sharks when Todd McClellan used it. I, I can specifically remember him using that word in probably 2013. So this is 11 years ago, but you've heard it used for Eric Carlson. Tortorella's used it for Zach Warensky. Um, so, you know, that's that's a pretty big compliment. And that, that tells you that in Tortorella's mind, we all know John's uh, Jamie Drysdale is a strong skater. He can get all over the ice. He was all over the ice last night, and that's what Torts wants from him. He wants him to be up in the play. He wants him to be up there creating offense. He wants him to be able to use those skating legs um, on both ends of the ice. So um, that was, I think, the most positive development if you're looking – if you're a Flyers fan watching this game. And as for the atmosphere, it it was good. Mm-hmm. It was a, It was – obviously it's a Wednesday night so it's not quite a weekend crowd but it was still a decent crowd Montreal obviously an original 6 team um the fans welcomed Drysdale I think pretty warmly and and they were they knew right away when he threw that puck over to Morgan Frost for the goal that he was getting a point that he was getting his first point as a flyer so um there was a very very brief F cutter Gotier chant <laughs> coming from one section of the uh one section of the mezzanine level but um You know, other than that, it was it was. I think it was. If you're watching this team and you're hoping that Jamie Drysdale becomes the kind of player that Cutter Gauthier could become, it was encouraging. And we'll, you know, well, obviously, obviously, just have to see where it goes from here.
0: We already have Uh, comments uh, in the chat saying he's the future captain of the Flyers. Yeah, Uh, I,
1: I think, I think, uh, you know, I think everybody needs to be a little bit patient. This is a 21 year old kid going through a whirlwind of a situation. Um and I did think I watched the game last night. Uh I thought, you know, just his skating and his lateral movement, it just really sticks out to you. Um you knew that was a strength of his. So it was good to see him kind of get that reception and feel that love and support from the fan base. Um but I want to zoom out a little Kevin because you you grew up in this town as did I. You know, <laughs> we grew up in a suburb um half an hour or so away from the Wells Fargo Center. Um, you know, we, we, we come from, you know, hockey loving families, um, you know, and, uh, so I think you and I understand the history of this team and this franchise, even though you know, we're, we're probably not, I mean, I'm not a Flyers fan. Um, you're a writer, you're a professional, you've covered other teams. I, I'm not sure where the little kid in you died along the way, if it did or if you are a fan or not, but I, <laughs> no, I do Not want a fan
3: no. though. I'll, I'll shoot that down right away. No, that okay. goes away pretty quickly. Exactly. And I didn't <laughs> you just want, want the team to cover. You know? The one thing I'll say is you as a writer, you just don't want the team you cover to be bad. You don't know who, who wants to watch bad hockey for, right. you don't let it affect the way you cover the team. But I mean, Let's be honest. You don't want to watch a crappy team for for eight months. Yeah. Anyway, Ed, sorry I, to interrupt you.
1: It's okay. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume you you're you're you know you're, you've reached a level of the profession where that has to kind of be how how it is for you. But you know, I want to zoom out and I want to talk about the fact that you know Lindy Snyder, Ed Snyder's daughter, who's still a very very yeah, passionate hockey fan and Flyers fan. Her DNA is is the Flyers, right? She's on Twitter tweeting about this whole situation, sticking up for Kevin Hayes. She responded to the to the press conference video of Torts saying, now that guy right there is a flyer, okay? What kind of message, Kevin, did what John Tortorella did last night send to the rest of the league um, about coming to Philadelphia and, and being a flyer and what it means to be a flyer like when her father owned this team and there was always an aura about the loyalty, about the love, about the care in which they treated people and they treated players.
3: Well, there's no doubt in my mind and, and that 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 was lost a little bit in the five years between Ed's passing and the current regime that took over. And as, as far as Lindy's concerned, I, you know, I spoke to her uh, about a week ago, a few days before the team honored Ed Snyder's legacy at the game which was a really well done. It really was just well done across the board from, from the tribute before the game started to, you know, Lindy was out there to drop the puck. Um, Some other members in the Snyder family were there. So they're trying to bring, um, you know, they're trying to return to that, getting that relationship back to becoming strong again. And why it was lost in the first place is, is, is kind of a disgrace, frankly, if we're going to be honest about it. Um, but that's something that Dan Hilferty and Keith Jones and Danny Breer have made a priority to to reestablish. And it's not just it's not just the right thing to do. It's a good business thing to do, too, because how many of your fans, you know, you and I, even Colby, we remember Ed Snyder, and his passion. And, and we're not we're not that old. Right. So, you know, that's something that I think that's going to help the organization in in many ways. And as far as Lindy's tweet, um the flyers do have a little bit of a problem on their hands now, because this is a team affiliated podcast. And when you have the head coach and now the daughter of the owner who you just honored a few days ago, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. Uh, You know, it's not at the top of my list of biggest storylines going on with the team right now, but it is something that I I do wonder what they're going to do about it because, you know, particularly after torts comments last night that I'm sure are still viral this morning. yeah. I don't know what they're going to do yeah. there. That'll be an interesting well, decision.
1: Many media members, many players current and former have been reposting that video. Look, Kevin Hayes is one of the most yes. beloved players in the NHL. Literally. He is at the top of the list as far as it goes of fret, you know, good teammates and beloved within the dressing room. But Along the lines of what you just said, I, I want to follow up with something that I heard last night in Jamie Drysdale's press conference that stood out to me. It stood out to me so much that I actually texted Danny Briere last night, and I yeah. I just almost thanked him for it because it it to me it was such a feel good moment about what this organization used to be and what this made this organization great. And I know we have the video of Jamie Drysdale's. Um, post-game presser that, you know, we, we're going to play and, and give you the audio from. But the premise, Kevin, was that um, the first thing or one of the first things that Danny Briere asked Jamie Drysdale is, can I get your parents here? I understand that there's a lot going on. You're 21 years old. And that's one of Danny Briere's first thoughts. To me, that really says a lot.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, I I assume his parents are in Toronto. I'm not sure if we actually asked him that. I know he's from Toronto. So he did mention also that it's it's a different situation now, because obviously Toronto is a lot closer than to to Philadelphia than it is to Anaheim. so I, I do get the sense he's genuinely happy to be here. And, and you're right. You know, they, had to, they, did, they did clearly uh, obviously have to hustle to, to get his parents here. They had to hustle to get Jamie here. He was talking about being on a 5.45 a.m. flight out of Nashville uh so he was up at 3:45 a.m he's trying to catch up on sleep so yeah the fact that he even played as well as he did last night after after that sort of a situation that sort of a whirlwind maybe it benefits him I don't know Colby you're the former player here maybe
1: it helps him just to go out and play and I do and, I agree yeah, yeah I, I think absolutely let's let's hear what Jamie Drysdale had to say
0: yeah, we saw your mom and dad a couple times during the broadcast, uh, how anxious your mom was. You had a few chances there in overtime to score. Uh, just take, it through, take us through that overtime and, uh, you know, the time with your parents here uh, before the game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, first of all, it's, uh, it's awesome to have them out here. Uh, I think it kind of shows uh, what a good
1: organization this is. You know, right when I got out here, they, uh, they asked me if I wanted my parents out for my first game, and obviously I said yes, so uh, my parents are thrilled to be out here and, um, you know, really happy they could be here and, you know, in terms of that overtime nice to get out there. It uh, would have been nice to, to finish one of those opportunities, but, um, you know, and saying that we got the win at the end of the day. So, um, you know, it's a good, a uh, good job for this team. Yeah. To me, this just feels like this is how Danny Briere was treated as a flyer under Ed Snyder. And now this is how he wants the organization to treat people moving forward.
3: Yeah. There, there's no question about that. That's that's it, it, there's not, there, there's a reason that Danny wanted to come to Philadelphia in the first place as a free agent. And there's a reason he stuck with the organization. I, obviously the organization wanted to keep him around, you know, having him run the main Mariners and, and getting him involved in the front office that way. But um, yeah, that, that was really telling. Um, and, you know, that's, 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 it, it's, it's particularly symbolic considering who they just traded Drysdale 4 and that he didn't want to come to Philadelphia and play for whatever reason and he, he still hasn't given a reason even after speaking with you know multiple media outlets yesterday. So um, yeah, that, that's something that I think that this front office wants to get across. Um, and for them it was probably perfect timing to be able to show and remind the hockey world that hey there's there's definitely a lot worse worse places to play than, than in Philadelphia.
0: Kevin, I want to rewind for a second. This trade happens on Monday night to pretty much everyone. It's a complete blindsided trade. Nobody saw this coming. The way it's been handled, we've heard John Tortorella speak. We've heard Jamie Drysdale speak. We heard Cutter Gauthier speak yesterday on DuckStream. Everything that was said when this trade happened Monday night was to protect Cutter Gauthier because in case he changed his mind, they didn't want Flyer fans to turn on him. Looking back now, do you think it was handled the right way by everybody involved, or do you think it should have been discussed that the Flyers have been shopping him for the last six months, so people would have saw it coming?
3: No, it's it's shocking that that they kept it quiet as they did. Um, you know, so that that's a pretty that's a credit to Danny right there. I I think in the rest of the front office that that they did keep it quiet. And and obviously you want to keep it quiet just from a hockey standpoint, because you're trying to maximize your return. Right. And and I'm sure word got out there amongst some hockey executives that, that the flyers were potentially shopping him. But um, yeah, I I, I think they handled it right. I I don't, you know, the the kid's going to face backlash regardless if he's not going to explain his side of the situation um so that's a decision that he made that the decision you know that his camp made um that th- they were going to get some backlash i'm sure they knew that uh, you know going into this whole thing um but from the flyers standpoint the messaging was was very direct because i think that's they know this you know danny and jonesy know this fan base they know you just just tell them what happened be, be honest here don't beat around the bush Here's what happened. The kid didn't want to play for us. We tried to do everything we could to both maximize our return and protect him. Um, And I think they did that. So um, I I don't have any problem with the way they handled it. Um, And if that doesn't sit, if some of the things Danny said doesn't sit well with Cutter Gauthier's camp, I'm sorry. So what? I mean, you, you, (laughs) they're the ones that made this decision. Uh, And, and, you know, when you make that sort of decision, again, there's going to be backlash. There's going to be people, if you're not going to explain your side of the situation, people are going to jump to conclusions and and they're going to guess a little bit. And that's, that's the decision they made that they've got to live with.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I completely agree. And then, you know, you fast forward a little bit too, and you got Trevor Zegers posting Jamie Drysdale on his Instagram story. I'm not sure if you saw that. (laughs) that last night, Jamie Drysdale was given the the dog thing. I, I'm not oh, sure yeah. yeah you guys that, call yeah. it, but uh, yeah, Zegers posted this on his Instagram. Obviously Trevor Zegers has been tied to some trade rumors lately. I don't know if you've heard anything now in <laughs> regards to his name, but uh, does this just spice it up even more?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I know when Ziegris's name was floated out there a couple of days, everyone reminded uh, the media world that Torts wasn't happy when Ziegris tried the Michigan or whatever. <laughs> I mean, come on, <laughs> give me a break. Like that's that's not anything that would ever prevent any sort of deal, even if that's something they'd even consider. But um, you know, I guess him him and him and Drysdale and Cam York too are all apparently pretty good friends. So um it, you know, it, it's It'll be interesting to see what they do next because Danny's in such a, I don't want to say it is a little bit of a complicated situation because the team is competing for a playoff spot right now. Part of the reason that they think they're in the position they're in is because the dressing room has been sort of the dressing room culture has sort of been reset. So you don't want to, you know, it's going to be a line he's going to have to walk between maybe moving some players out and still trying to gain some assets for the future without completely upending the culture that they've all talked about being so strong in the dressing room. And, you know, that includes a guy like Sean Walker, who I'm under the impression, you know, everyone's on, he's, his, his, his uh, spot on those trade boards probably just went up because Drysdale's now here, a fellow right-handed defenseman that, uh, from what I've heard, Sean Walker loves it here. He wants to resign. He doesn't want to get traded at all. So, you know, that's something that that Danny's going to have to balance probably not just with Walker, but with other guys too.
1: Kevin, we're talking about Zegris and we're talking about locker room culture and we're talking about the Michigan and, you know, something that kind of struck um, struck me as a little bit surprised was, was that Torts talked about the fact that, He and uh, Brad Shaw had been watching video on Jamie Drysdale for, I think he said something like six months. Yeah. Um, This has been in the works. So I I guess I'm curious because you've now covered three different, you know, NHL franchises for the athletic, Um, you know, you've done the West coast. Now you've done a couple of teams out East. Have you ever heard of a situation where a general manager was bringing a coach in this much on player, Personnel decisions, having them literally dig into the film um, for six months on a player before a a, (laughs) a trade has been made. I mean, that struck me as a little bit surprising, and and leads me to start to believe some of the rumors out there that potentially one day Torts will sit in the front office um, with the Flyers, and maybe we see Craig Berube coming back into the fold at some point. Again, total rumors. That's nothing I have inside information about. I'm just connecting dots on where I see relationships and see things fit. But I don't know, that all kind of struck me as a little bit surprised that, that, you know, Torts and Brad Shaw have been looking at this kid for so long
3: the one example I can remember just in my career is in, when Pete DeBoer joined the San Jose Sharks, I think part of the uh, agreement there was that he was going to be involved in some of the player personnel decisions with, with, with Doug Wilson as a general manager. And if you look at some of the moves they made throughout that season in which, which ended with the Stanley Cup finals berth, they brought in guys, you know, it was, they were depth guys, depth names, um, Nick, Nick Spalling, Roman Pollock, I think was, yeah. Whatever, whoever uh-huh. they were, they were guys that, either Pete knew or his assistant coach, Steve Spott knew. So that that I've seen that happen before that said, I did ask, you know, I sat down with Keith Jones about a different story a couple of weeks ago that, that I haven't gotten around to doing yet. but I said, is John Tortorella more involved than the typical head coach when it comes to decisions that you guys make in the front office. And he said, no. So I've gotten the impression that Torts is more involved. And frankly, the, 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 that situation that he detailed tells me that he is probably a little bit more involved than, than your average head coach. So, and as far as, you know, his future, I mean, he's 65 years old. I agree with you. I I don't know. I don't have any inside knowledge as to what he's going to do in, you know, whether it's two, three, four years down the road, but I don't think there's any way that this organization is going to let John Tortorella, you know, this isn't the thing where he's going to, he's all of a sudden just not going to be the head coach. He's going to pack his bags and go home. I I would be shocked if they don't keep him around. I mean, especially considering they keep everyone around after afterwards, you still see Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren and, and so many Mm -hmm. other uh, alumni that had jobs in in the past. Uh, Billy Barber, I, I saw the other day. So I, you know, Torts is now, as far as I'm concerned, going to be part of that group moving forward. He's always going to be, you know, probably for as long as he wants to um, involved in some way, shape or form, whether that's just the head coach or not. Again, that's just me speculating as you said, but that's my impression.
0: Kevin, just bringing it back to last night's comments again, one more time. (laughs) <laughs> Does the media plan on asking the players how they felt about it? Because I imagine if you're a player right now in the Philadelphia Flyers and you see him sticking up for someone who doesn't play for this organization anymore, I imagine you're fired up and you feel good about playing for a guy like John Tortorella. So I just want to know if you plan on talking to the current guys about it.
3: No. So I think it's over and done with, I think it's time to move on. I think all of this stuff, it's time to move on from it's been, you know, what day's today, Thursday it's been going on for a week. So I don't think it's anything more than what we just saw. Um, I'll let the parties involved handle it the way they want to handle it and I'll stay, I'll stay out of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I will say this and and Kevin hit on this earlier. I've gone on that podcast when I was working here in Philadelphia, um, doing television for the flyers with those guys many times before they were a flyers podcast. I've always gotten along with those guys, uh, Anthony and Russ. Um, you know, I've always thought that they were entertaining and passionate Um, And they did have connections and sources to the organization. Um, So, you know, I'm with you. I hated how this whole situation went down. I, I actually said something to Anthony on Twitter um, publicly. Um, You know, then we, we followed up with, with some DMS back and forth from one another because Kevin Hayes is a good friend. I've known for 20 years, was close with his older brother, played hockey with his older brother, know the kind of guy he is, know how well loved he is. So, um, you know, but, but I do want to say that cause I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. Like yeah, the, the idea here isn't just to shit on, you know, San Filippo for this, you, you know, but at the end of the day, when you make a mistake, I, I believe that, um, it's time to apologize. It's time to say you were wrong. Um, it's time to come out and, and admit that, you know, whatever source you think that you had was not the correct source because, you know, I went do directly to the sources um, and, and heard it directly from those people and even followed up with people like Danny Briere, um, who, who, you know, all really do believe Kevin Hayes' side of this thing. So, um, Johnny, I don't know if you have anything else for Kevin. I mean, this was great. We, we appreciate the fact that you came on with us this morning. I know you're jumping on a flight to uh, Minnesota later today to, to get on the road with this team. I'm glad they've been more exciting for you this year in your first year with the athletic um, covering the Philadelphia flyers. If you're, if you're not reading Kevin's work, if you're a flyers fan, make sure you you get on that website and you look at Kevin's articles because um, he, he's a guy who who brings it with his writing. He's not afraid to ask hard questions uh, and he's a guy who really digs in on things. He's not just going to give you surface level, you know, quotes and statistics within his writing. So Really appreciate you coming on, Kev.
3: Yeah, no, thanks for that compliment, Colby. It means a lot. I appreciate that. Anytime you guys need me, give me a shout.
1: Thank All you, Kevin. Right. I'm sure, really I'm appreciate sure it. We'll be talking to you again at some point. All right, buddy. Good to see you. You too.
0: Also, Colby, we should mention, also, thanks to, Big thanks to Kevin again for coming on. That was so nice to him and great to get his insight. Um, we should mention that uh, De Filippo is actually going to be on with Frank Saravali later today. So you can listen to those two talk about the whole exchange last night with John Tortorella. Um, so that'll be, uh, probably must watch podcasting, must watch streaming, whatever you want to call it. Um, Will
1: he be on DFO live today? Um, I, I believe so. Or is he doing a podcast with Frank? We should, we should get clarification on that. Um. Yeah. We will get clarification if he's going to be on the live show at 1230 on the DFO YouTube, or if Frank is doing a podcast with him, I will uh, get you guys some clarification on that for people tracking along with this story. Um, but you know, super interesting to get his point of view. I mean, he's with this team all the time. So, um, you know, it's always great for people that are, that are boots on the ground, a guy that was in the room uh, for this whole situation. So, um, So much to to unpack there in Philadelphia. I'm glad we got a chance to run through it. To me, there's two big stories in the NHL right now. There's what's happening in Philadelphia. And then for the rest of the league, it's goaltending. That is the buzzword in the NHL right now. There's a ton of different situations. Uh, There's a ton of teams trying to figure out what they're going to do. We've got some goaltending injuries. We've got goaltending history. So, What'd we do? We wanted to, to, to bring on a goaltender to talk a little bit about it. We want a guy who has stood between the pipes and, and played against a lot of these characters, uh, seen a lot of rubber in his day, guy who covers the NHL. So uh, we're going to bring in Andrew Raycroft, former uh, Calder, Calder cup winner, or excuse me, Calder trophy winner in the NHL. (laughs) Got to make sure uh, I give him his dues correctly. And a guy that in my very, very brief NHL career, I'm actually 1-0 and 0 against them. I can't say that about many people, but there is there they do exist. They do exist. So we're going to get Andrew Raycroft on here in a minute and uh, pick his brain about some of the goaltending things going on around the NHL.
0: I'm very excited to talk to Razor. I've actually never met him face-to-face, but we do follow each other on Twitter. So we've had some uh, back and forth. I'm sure you've would him. I actually think I DM'd him last night, or I might have... Uh, no, I think I commented on one of his tweets because he said, don't bring up the Ottawa Senators. And Kobe, you know my relationship <laughs> with the Ottawa Senators, so I'm going to do my best to avoid that topic of conversation when he comes on. But let's send it to a quick break. We'll be right back after the break with Andrew Raycroft, so don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Morning Cup of Hockey. We're now going to welcome on Andrew Raycrow from the Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. He played in the NHL for many years, now does a lot of work with Nesson. All three of us are actually rocking different hockey schools. Razor's got the UConn on, I got the UMass on, Colby's got the BU hat. Uh, But what's going on, Razor? Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it.
2: Uh, Yeah, that was done purposefully because I knew at least Colby would have some kind of BU paraphernalia (laughs) on. (laughs) Paraphernalia. Uh, So I had had to put... uh, put the Yukon sweater. I'm great fellas. Uh, glad you guys are doing this. It's cool.
1: Fraser, I was kind of hoping you were going to come on wearing a Wellington Duke sweatshirt. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's way more what I want to talk about with you today than anything is that uh, old, our old friend from Wellington who could pull his lip up over his face <laughs> in, the, uh, in that old barn. I, I actually, the Duke don't. Man, when I saw that you played in Wellington as I was doing a little extra homework on you last night, it's it's a small little town in Ontario. I had this big smile on my face because when I played in Syracuse in the Ontario Provincial League, we would go play Wellington in that small little rink, freezing cold, packed barn. They would shit kick us every single time. <laughs> yep. And that guy... I still remember that guy who could literally pull his lip like over his head. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen.
2: That's Foster Bailey. That's fought. That was Foster Bailey uh, whiskey corner down in the corner Friday nights. Everyone would get drunk on whiskey. Um, yeah, that was uh, back in the day. That's my hood. I'm like 10 minutes from there.
1: No way. That's unbelievable. Well, Johnny, I know you have some real questions to ask him, but I just, I had to, I
2: I did not expect that Foster Bailey coming up today. That's Wellington
1: Dukes legend, Andrew Raycroft. That's it.
0: Well, there's a lot of crazy goaltending situations going on in the NHL this year. I think more than I can ever remember in one specific season, there's been a lot of positive, also some negative. There was concerns early on with Edmonton in New Jersey now, and, and even Toronto, but now we're seeing guys like Martin Jones step up. We've seen Joey Decord step up lately for Seattle, which, which team right now, which organization I guess has your biggest concern as far as goaltending goes?
2: Probably New Jersey still. And I think it's relative of course, right? you you base it off how good the team should be or, or what, a, if a team is a contending team um, you know, Chicago doesn't matter. San Jose doesn't matter. Uh, I think the New Jersey Devils are the team that are looking at the goaltending and saying, how are we going to get out of the Eastern Conference? How are we going to get out of the first round in the East with the goaltending that we have right now?
1: Well, you, you mentioned Chicago and, you know, Peter Morazic has actually played pretty well in Chicago mm-hmm. the last two years. He, he's he been one of the only bright spots, um, you know, for that team other than Bedard this season. Nobody ever talks about Peter Morazic as a guy who would be, you know, uh, somebody to trade for because his history hasn't necessarily been great, but you know, he might be an upgrade for some teams that people aren't really thinking about, um, right now. And you got to think Chicago would really be willing to deal anybody.
2: Yeah, no question. The fire sale will be on, uh, pretty soon there in Chicago. Yeah. Mirazik's probably a good fit. I don't think he's the answer, but he's certainly a, a body that can make saves and can go on a run. I don't know what a salary cap hit is. Anything over like 1.3 right now is untouchable for these teams. Uh, whether it's Edmonton, that's you know you feel like they need somebody at least to let Skinner. I know Picard's there, but a, a guy who maybe an upgrade there, Morasic would do that. But but any I, again, I don't know Mrazek's number, but I assume he's over 1.5, and I assume that that's just too expensive for a lot of teams. I think closer to the cap, you might see that number dwindle a little bit and, and be a little bit more manageable.
0: While we're on Chicago, I don't mean to change topics a little bit here too much. If Connor Bedard were to pull a Michigan on you, how would you react? Because a rookie in the NHL doing that, I gotta ask a goalie like what the response would be.
2: Well, in 2002, I mean, we would have chased him around the rink. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. you know. <laughs> nowadays, I guess you kind of have to accept it. But certainly, when I played, if if that had to happen, the the stick would been up. He would I was gonna you, say it, it would have been no, a whack he, in the yeah. crease at some point. Like I'd take his number. We'd be taking his number for sure.
0: And the fact that he pulled that on Bennington of all people, I was very surprised that there was no repercussion for that. I mean, you know, I think any goalie, if you were to pick one guy to respond to that, it'd be him.
2: Yeah. Jordan's been, Jordan's seemed to have gotten the message after the last couple of years he's behaved all season long, but, but you could certainly envision a scenario where uh, in a year and a half from now that that comes back to roost. <laughs>
1: You know, Razor, I think goaltending, it's such a unique position because, you know, you could know hockey left and right. But, you know, even I say this about myself all the time when it comes to goaltending for me, it's just an eye test because I just don't know anything about it. It never played it other than in my basement with my brothers, you know, beating me up. But um, what is the difference? And And I've heard Brian Boucher talk about this a little bit, but, you know, in your in your mind, why can a guy like Skinner play? you know, a few few games and look like a starter, but not be able to carry it out for months. And and why do we see that more and more where you see flashes of guys be able to stretch together? Let's say two great weeks. But then once you enter week three, week four, or maybe even week eight, then you start to see, okay, maybe this guy's not a true number one goaltender. Just what is it about the position that kind of eats people up and spits them out a little bit?
2: Well, first and foremost, you're you're completely reliant on circumstances in front of you, right? There, there's no other position in the sport that relies on the circumstances around them like goaltending does. And then the second thing that that kind of coincides with that is the, the margin between great and good is razor thin. Uh the difference between good and great is literally one goal every hundred shots, which is about 10, 12 days. So one shot every 12 days that you play uh, is the difference between you being an AHL and an NHLer. So that that those two things combined can humble and can change narratives so quickly. And I think that's what's so impressive with guys that were able to be so consistent over the years and to be able to do it for 15, 16, 17 years. Um, to be able to survive the bad weeks that they had and still have players in front of them believe in them, GMs, coaches still believe in them. And I think that's also why you see you get to a point in in your career for goaltenders where you're just relied upon. And it it almost doesn't matter what your numbers are when it gets to a certain point, right? Like a a guy like Tristan or a guy like Sorokin or a guy like Soros, they're doing the same thing that Skinner's doing they're going up and down like a toilet week to week, but you just assume that they're great and, and that they have enough of a track record where you don't question it unless they go on a, on a cold streak for two months rather than a week. So that's really the key too, is, is to be able to get over that hump where people and teams and players rely on you and, and expect the best out of you. And you, you need to go a whole month and a half before someone recognizes that you're not playing well.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting way to, to talk about it. I've actually kind of never heard it uh, with some of those analogies. Obviously, the toilet seat one is easy to understand. I mean, it really is, uh, even though it's pretty funny. Well, <laughs> like so then let's zoom in on Boston. You, you work for Nesson. Uh, you're a studio analyst there. You're in the booth doing college games. So you're all around the scene in Boston. You've probably known Jeremy Swayman's career since he was at Maine. Um, Linus Olmark gets injured. We certainly haven't seen anything where we've heard how long it's going to be. I don't know if maybe, you know, anything about that injury, but are we in a position now where we're confident that Jeremy Swayman could, could take the ball and run with it and be the number one, maybe type of guy, or you just don't really see that happening in Boston with these two who just seem to complement each other so well.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't I don't know anything about Linus right now. Uh they're in Vegas, so we should get something here in the next couple hours. Uh where they are at Bruins have nine games till the all-star break, only one back to back in that time. So if if Linus is out for a little while here, then you assume Swayman's gonna play eight of the next nine games and get into the break and have a you know have time for, for him to come back. I'm not sure where he's at, though. We'll see today.
0: Um, I think people are sleeping on Brandon Bussey though.
2: Yeah. Busty's great. Bussy's Busty's a great kid, obviously a great college career. I've been on the ice with in the summer. He's big, he's athletic, um, st- playing well in the minors this year, not out lights out like last season. And that's a good thing. I think a little adversity fighting through it and, and building his career. So he has a chance. He's not, you know, he, he's not going to line up with the Vesna trophy winner. Um, <laughs> but, but he does have a chance to, to get an opportunity possibly. Um, when it comes to to Swayman, it, it's just like you're talking about the eye test, right? And and he's got himself to the point in his career where he's reliable and and people think he's good, and that's ninety percent of the battle. On top of his numbers and his stats, the fact that he is really good. So so yes, he can be a starter. I think this team, this organization is relied on having two goaltenders for a very long time now, all the way back to when they won the cup with Tuka Rask and Tim Thomas. It's, it's the culture here. It's the mentality. And, and they really believe that the best goalie is a rested goalie and a goalie that, that has their full energy.
0: Razor, are you into the analytics at all by any chance? What's this? Are you into the analytics at all, by any chance?
3: Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah, you know, to a point. I, I'm not. I don't. Uh, I don't trust anyone that uses only analytics and 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 tells their story one way or the other. But but certainly they're they're valuable in in assessing.
0: I'm curious uh, your perspective on this because this was pretty relevant the other night in the Rangers Canucks game, and you mentioned Shesterkin a little bit ago. The high danger chances analytic. Yep. I think sometimes people are skewed in a certain way because let's say. The Bruins are playing the Rangers and the Bruins have 12 high danger chances. The Rangers have six, but if six of those high danger chances that the Rangers have four of them are two on ones and breakaways, you know, those are extremely high danger chances. And sometimes I think fans are quick to point a finger at a goalie. Let's say if your team has more high danger chances than the other team, but your team doesn't get the saves. So do you think that analytic has somewhat uh, skewed perspectives on, on fans perception of how a goalie plays in a certain game? I don't know if I, Kind of yeah. Worded that the right way. I'm with you. You know I'm
2: going to yeah. give you another scenario, Um, and I'm, I'm going to. So, how about those twelve six high danger opportunities? Let's say the six that the Bruins had on the Rangers were all David Pasternak, hmm. and the twelve that the Raiders got were all from the guy that called up from Hartford the night before. Hmm. Which which ones are better? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I think over time you assume that evens out, but I think in small sample sizes, those high danger opportunities, the goal saved above expected on, on a night to night basis can definitely be uh, judged in different ways. And again, a, a breakaway from a fourth liner who has one goal in the season is different than a breakaway from David Pasternak mm-hmm. or Austin Matthews or Nate McKinnon or Connor McDavid. So that, that, for me, is where it really gets skewed. I think the two-on-ones and the breakaways, um, I think overall, uh, you can tell like a team that that's not good is giving those up compared to a, a better team. And that's, that goes back to the circumstances of the goaltender that they're in. So um, yeah, those two things can definitely be skewed. And that's why you have to be careful with the analytics and in a, especially a short period of time because uh, you can use them it, to tell the story that you want it to tell. Well,
0: well, yeah, you hear it all the time from fans now. Our goalie's got to make a save there. Like, does that piss you off so much as a goalie? Like when you see that?
2: <laughs> yeah, because of you, you. I mean, no one ever says like the, the, the guy's got to score a goal there, right? Like the, the same opportunities happening down at the other end and no one's burying it if that's the case. So mm-hmm. again, that, that, that comment, the goalie's got to make a save there only comes out of the mouths of, of teams that are frustrated with their goaltenders already. It never it never really comes out of the mouth of a a guy with the the Laviolette with Shesterkin or the Bruins with, with Allmark or Swayman. Like it, you know, when, when those guys give up goals, they say, well, they've had our backs so often this year, we got to find a way to score a goal. When the team has a goalie they don't like, they say, Oh, we got to get a save there. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Razor, you you spent, you spent some time in your career in Toronto, so you know the market. You know the pressures that come along with it. You're smiling right now. For anybody on our audio <laughs> podcast yeah. version of this, Razor's got a big old grin on his face right now, so I'll just paint a little bit of a picture for you. But you know, what do you make of that whole situation? They, they've kind of decided Wall is the guy, and they're waiting for him, or at least they're selling that message. Then they've got Sam Sonoff, who they sent down to the minors, You know, he played some games. It was kind of sketchy down there. They bring up the guy, Hilda Beast, who's a monster, six foot seven. (laughs) He doesn't play. They send him down. Martin Jones is playing, but they're beating bad teams on the West Coast. And now all of a sudden, Samsonov gets brought back up to the NHL because they want to evaluate where he's at. It just seems like year after year, we're talking about problems in goal in Toronto. What is the story happening uh, to our friends north of the border.
2: Yeah. And it, it, well, again, it goes to circumstance, right? You, you don't, they don't have good defense. They don't play team defense. They don't Austin, you know, the best players try and score a lot of goals. They don't. So it, it, it they can go on runs. They can play team defense. Like they do did in LA the other last week, right? Everyone's wow. What team? And then, they let it slide it'll it'll slide and at some point they'll give up nine to buffalo again and so i, I think a, a lot of that is circumstance where they're at and what kind of team they've built the other part of it is when it gets a little out of control when it gets off the rails up there a lot it goes to the goal he needs to make another save and uh the narrative can change and, and you start looking like every goal is a bad goal rather than digging in and looking like wow that that actually wasn't a bad goal or that got tipped or reasoning for it. It just turns into everything's bad. Um, and that's the market up there. That that's what they do. And that's what they'll, they'll do until the end of time, even if they win in a Stanley cup at some point, that's how it works.
1: Well, I've been on the record multiple times with this whole, you know, William Nylander, eleven and a half million dollars, saying how much better suited would the Toronto Maple Leafs be spending six million on Cam Fowler and six million on John Gibson than having Willie Nylander at eleven and a half million? Because I think you bring in a number one defenseman and you bring in a goalie who I think can erase bad defense at some degree and erase mistakes like we've seen him do in Anaheim. But it was just a comment that I made that I stand by because I'm with <laughs> you, Razor. I think it's hard for a goaltender to make. Like Aiden Hill is not, you know, a 10 year superstar NHL goaltender. But the way Vegas defends in front of him, the way they Bruce Cassidy system keeps guys on the outside, the back pressure that the forwards present to a rush, leading the defense to be able to keep their gaps up and deny rushes better. That made Aiden Hill look like. A, a legitimate fide number one goaltender. And he might be, I, I don't know, but I'm just saying I I'm, I'm with you that you need to build a decor if you want to win a Stanley Cup.
2: Yeah, it, it, a million percent. And and Aiden Hill is a that guy because he won a Stanley Cup and Laurent Broussois was the same guy. And, and Logan Thompson was the same. Like they all goalies played well there. All goalies in the last 12 years have been great in Boston. Manny Fernandez, Tim Thomas. <laughs> Anton Udobin go yep. like everybody. Yeah, Everybody's yeah, got right. great numbers here. And so, no, there, there's a reason why that is the case. And there's a reason why the teams have won Stanley Cups over the years with uh, maybe the exception Vasilevsky. Over the last twelve years, um, I guess
1: quit you throw Quickie in that in that yeah too. Quickie there too
2: Quickie of course was an incredible. They had pretty good team defense though, right? Like that True. first run they went on, yeah. they won every Through road game, was awesome. won nothing. It was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no Quickies, yeah. Qu- I mean, you win three times, you get it. Corey Crawford twice. Like those guys are are, but they've never won Vesna's, right? They've 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 never they they didn't dominate regular seasons, they were just really good for the teams that they played for and made saves at the right time. So um, again, it, it's very circumstantial. It, it's very timing. And I think what the Leafs are doing at this point, from my point of view, and I don't think it's a bad strategy is is have, try and get Samson off going, try and get wall going, have Martin Jones there. and And we'll just put a guy in there and try and score five goals in the first round, every game. And, and like w- one guy come in, one guy come out, like we're not going to be holding to any of these guys and have a number one at this point. Cause one, we can't afford it. And two, our defense doesn't really allow it to happen. Like we just need a guy to get hot one game at a time.
0: You mentioned a name like Jonathan quick. And I got to ask you, what is this recent spark of American goaltenders? Because it seems like the best goalies in the NHL as of late, are coming out of the United States. Some names I think of are Connor Hellebuck this year, uh, Thatcher Demko, Jay Gottinger. Like, you know, these goalies are pretty legit and they're all coming out of the U S.
2: Yeah, it's, it goes in waves. Of course we know that it used to be Canadian, French Canadians. Then it was the Finns. Then it was regular Canadian, Western Canadian kids. Then it's, you know, Russians. Now we've got a bunch of Americans. Um, so I think the cycle kind of goes through. I think because of the development program here in the United States, I think because of college in the United States. I Canada's Canada's falling way back because they're they're picking goaltenders too young and they're 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 attaching their cart to co- kids that are 16, 17 that aren't developed. The United States have the the benefit, the hell of bucks, all the kids that went to college are 19, 20 years old when you're really evaluating them. So it's just a huge difference in development. I think that's happening as well with the, you know, the Swedes and the Russians. They're overplaying pro hockey when they're 19, 20 years old. Then they're coming here at 21, 22, 23. So, so that's making a huge difference um, in in how they're evaluated and the time they get. Look at Joe Wall. Joe Wall's 23, 24. Um, Joey Decord. Connor Hellebuck, all these guys had late, late starts, um, to their NHL or pro careers, mm-hmm. considering the junior kids in Canada are just yeah. coming out at 19.
1: Well, was wall a BC guy as well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, look yep. as, as a BU guy, they I got to give, give credit to BC. I mean, they have produced some phenomenal goaltenders, Corey yeah. Schneider, Thatcher Demko, Joe wall, Fowler. Uh, Nother, Spencer Nother, Knight. Nother, yeah. Fowler. I mean, Spencer Knight. And John Muse, who won multiple yeah. national championships, who didn't have an NHL career but was a star in the American League, has been great in Europe. Um, they, they, I got to give credit to to Greg Brown and and Jerry York um, and, and Mike Harris. Mike Harris has been
2: the consistent there the whole yeah. time. Yeah, and
1: Cav back in the day, you know, um, Mike Kavanaugh. So they they've done a great job of the, developing goalies. Well, well, Johnny, I don't know if you've got anything else for. For uh, Razor, I think we could keep him here all day because this is just such a fascinating, important position in the game. But I don't know if you got anything else or if we want to let Razor uh, get on with his day.
0: Well, I think we got one more, Razor, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's go. Where, where do you rank Mark andre Fleury all-time amongst goaltenders?
1: Uh,
2: good one. It's a good well, one. So I'm I'm Patrick Waugh. I, I always go back and forth. I think Dominic Hasek was better than Martin Broder, but not for a longer period of time. So let's just put both of those guys at two. Um, and then, you know, I get you, you might have to go back to Sawchuck or one of those old, old guys, but the flower is right there. I think the only I, one more cup would have solidified flower in the top five, like winning the cup. If you had to mm-hmm. went on, took one of those runs in Pittsburgh, rather than having Murray jump in, or in Vegas, similar if he had a stayed there and won one there. Um, I would have had to have put him in the top four. He's probably top six. Um, because and I think his career will get better too. I think there's a long answer now, but <laughs> I think his career is going to get better as we get away from it. I, I think we'll look back because I don't think anyone's playing a thousand games in the NHL as a goal turn anymore. I mm-hmm. think he's kind of that last breed. Um but Luongo and Longfist; those guys were really good too. I, they didn't win cups, but they were really good over the same period as Flower. Yeah, it's a great. It's well, going to be are, a great debate. You know, like
1: all yeah. guys you played against, all guys you yeah. were in the league your whole career. So you you had a great seat to to see these players, these these goaltenders on a nightly basis. I mean, I saw some of them, um, but you really saw all of them. Which which you know, I'm glad you asked that question, Johnny, because. Uh, flower, he might be, you know, number six, but as far as human being goes, he, he's no oh, yeah. one. I mean, there, there's, there's no one like flower. I got to know him in Chicago when he was there a couple years ago as, and I was there as a broadcaster. There's just nobody with a bigger smile on their face at the rink every single day. Um, I mean, just what a, what a hall of fame human being flower yeah. is. So I, I, easy guy to root for.
0: I wanted to add one thing there, too, and and just to tell this story, because I don't know if a lot of people heard it, but Louis Domingue was a French-Canadian goalie who started for the Rangers one game this year against Flower and the Minnesota Wild. Flower actually skated up to him in warm-up and said it's actually, or this is what Louis said after the game, it's actually something that everybody should listen to. He said it's pretty rare that two French-Canadian guys get to play against each other nowadays in the NHL. So let's give them a good show. I thought that was pretty cool because French Canadian goalies dominated the NHL for a long time and they're kind of rare now, but uh flower might be the last one to really, you know, have that solidified career.
2: Yeah. You hope, I guess for, if you're French Canadian, you hope that he's in- inspiring, you know, that next generation, the next wave. Um, because yeah, they, they dominated when I was, yeah. when I was coming up, that it was, that's, you had to be from there to, to be able to have a chance.
1: <laughs> well, well look, don't forget to, uh, go on Spotify. Go on Apple Podcasts. Um, basically, anywhere where you can download a podcast, you can download uh, Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. It's it's a Bruins heavy show. Um, you know they keep it current. Billy Jaffe, a, a another good friend who will definitely get on the show at some point. Um, they do a great job of of really giving good perspective into the Bruins. Um, you know while being fair. I mean. They're they're, they're super fair the way they look at it. They're not total homers, um, which you always appreciate inside the local market. (laughs) Razor, thanks a lot for coming on today, man. We really enjoy your work. I know you'll be doing some college games for um, Nesson in the playoffs. Along with your Bruins duty, you'll be be working on the NCAA tournament. We'll be doing that together. So that'll be awesome. Uh, Thanks for your time today, man. We we really appreciate it. You got it, fellas. Uh, Yeah, we'll see everybody real soon coming to the head
2: here this season. Yeah, you got it.
1: All right. So good to get his perspective, man. Goaltending is is such an interesting position that uh, you just, you can't pretend to really, really know it. I mean, he said three or four things there, Johnny, that I I just, I've never heard or even thought about before um, about the position and... I trust razor and lean on razor for goaltending stuff. I, I send him stuff all the time. And I'm like, what do you think of this? He helps me, you know, form sometimes opinions around these issues. So that was awesome.
0: Yeah. The only goaltending I played in my life was mini sticks in the hotel. So I don't really know much about the position. And, um, you know, you see a lot of people, a lot of fans always, who's the, who's the first guy on the ice. They point a finger at it's the goalie. Right. And yeah. you always want to hear from those guys and, you know, goalies why for the they most, I got to pay
1: them, give them yeah. money. Pay them and for, more money, and then you can blame more shit on them.
0: And for the most part, goalies, like more than anyone in any other sport always put the blame on themselves and never point fingers at the other guys, right? Like if, if a goalie, you know, if, if a team loses a game, the goalie will say, it's on me. I got to make a save there. And if they win a game, he'll say the guys in front of me were great. Yeah.
1: Tonight. But you know? coaches also never blame goalies, even if the goalie did let in a bad goal. So I mean, yeah. that's just a whole kumbaya. Let's feel good about each other's situation. I mean, come on, let's, let's not, right, let's not go too breaks. far Johnny sunshine and rainbows. So Hey, that was a great, uh, that was a great show. I mean, we had two great guests today. Um, Don't forget to like, and subscribe to the daily face off YouTube page. There were some things we didn't get to. Uh, We wanted to talk a little bit about Corey Perry today. There's, there's rumors going around about where he could potentially sign. We'll save that for tomorrow. Um, Let's see if anything happens over the next 24 hours with him. Um, But let's save that for tomorrow.
0: We um, won't be talking think- to anyone tomorrow. We'll save it for Monday.
1: Sorry, save it for Monday. I forget what day it is. Yeah. Um but what do you got, Johnny? You want the final word today, bud?
0: All I'm gonna say is that Anthony Sanfilippo is joining DFO Live today with Frank Saravali. We confirmed that, so make sure at that you noon. do that. That show noon. starts at noon Eastern on the DFO YouTube page. And I think uh, you know, it's a chance for Anthony Sanfilippo to peel back and and see how the reaction um, you know, has changed his perspective, maybe, or if he even dives deeper and and kind of continues to to dig at it here, I don't know which I side he's gonna take.
1: He he's he won't back down. I know Anthony. Um, he he's he's gonna continue like he was on Crossing Broad's podcast or show, and and he sort of softened his comments a little bit. And, and sort of backed off them a little bit, but certainly hasn't backed away from them. So check out Frank's show at noon. That, that should, be, should be really entertaining, especially if you're a Flyers fan. Um, you know, again, Frank's another local Philadelphia guy, so kind of gets, gets exposed to this stuff quicker than most. Um, great job today, Johnny. Uh, like we said, like and subscribe. And uh, we'll talk to everybody on Monday. Not tomorrow, right, Johnny boy? Yep. Not tomorrow. You got a big big weekend ahead.
0: We'll have to dive into
1: that on Monday.
0: We can dive in. We can, we can dive uh, into your
1: big weekend on
0: Monday, buddy. We can dive in. Thanks to Razor. Thanks to Kevin. Thanks to our producer, Vic. Thanks to Colby. And we'll talk to you guys Monday.